0: Last week we finished our series looking at the church and we looked at the, the message of the church and, and this week I actually said that we were doing First Corinthians um, but we're not actually doing First Corinthians, I think we spent 20 something weeks, uh, a couple of, um, Matt actually pulled me aside, he said, we're not doing First Corinthians again, are we? Um, and, and no, it's, um, it's, it's Colossians, so we're going to be spending a, a fair bit of time in Colossians, uh, one of the things I, I love about uh, God's Word is it, it has this characteristic to it in that you can, you can skim across it at a very high level and you can read a couple of chapters, you can even read a couple of books in a sitting and there's something that we get out of it. It's a bit like I've got a picture here of some beautiful little dandelions. Um, that field is, is absolutely beautiful uh, from a distance. There's the, those different contrasts of colours and the the, um, the sky in the background and the tree there. But what what is, is really special about the Word of God is that you can zoom in and you can just keep zooming in as well. And uh, this is a little, one of those little dandelion things that stick up here and just the intricacy of that, it's just, isn't our God amazing? yeah those little things they pick up and 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 move through the air and and land. and then um, what takes place in that seed as well? That from this tiny little seed, this um this plant grows, it's it's just amazing. and and we can look down into the mechanics of that as well as when we look at photosynthesis and DNA and all those type of things. And the Bible's a bit like that, <clears throat> we can kind of look at a surface level and there's, there's beauty there and then we look at a deeper level and there's beauty there and then we look at some of the mechanics and there's beauty there. And we have, we have theologians um, right throughout the, the, the centuries that have been exploring and digging into God's Word and they're still finding more and more links and applications and it's, it's just this, this deep richness of, um, of what, what God has for us. And I think one of the reasons it's so rich is because it's, it's continuing and it's living and the Holy Spirit works through it um, when his people read it in, in different contexts, in different um, times of history throughout the world. So we're looking at Colossians and sometimes we're going to be uh, kind of the, the aerial view like we see with the, um, those dandelions there and sometimes we'll zoom right in and, uh, and get a bit of a, a closer view. So this morning we, we're actually going to do both. We're going to look at the the context and and kind of the themes and the, an overview of Colossians, and then um, we're going to zoom in and we're going to look at just the first two verses, which are basically Paul's greeting. So when we when we look at Colossians, uh, there's the what what I've titled this series is yes, there's more, and people are, are, are really Asking at the moment, uh, is there more to life? Is this it? And uh, th- this isn't just unique to, to, um, to people who, who haven't believed in Christ yet, this is actually um, characteristic of, of Christians as well. Is, is this all there is? There, there must be more uh, and it, it's kind of as we, as we go through the grind of, of life at times, both the joys and the difficulties, and, but there's this sense that there must be more. I'm really, I'm really glad that we have that sense, because for those who don't know Jesus, it can actually um, pull them towards Jesus, as, as kind of, um, because our, our message is, yes, there's more. And that, that more is found in being, being, being known and loved and saved and given a purpose by our Creator. But there's also more for the Christian as well. So, so we live in a, in a not-yet reality. Uh, we, we are saved, we're, we're part of God's kingdom and we're given purpose and we're given a, a mission, but we, we long for that time when things will, will be made right. And, and even even when we have a wonderful time together, there's still something in our hearts that goes, there must be more. And, and no, no matter what experiences we have in this life, there's still something that remains that says there must be more. And it would stand to reason that, uh, that yes, there, there is more. Um, and, and we actually know what that more is, and we, we long for that, and we say, Jesus, come. Come. Jesus come i 've got these desires that can 't be met in anything else so so would you come and would you would you fulfill um, my my life 's greatest needs my life's greatest longings so three things we 're going to be looking looking at as we move through this series this is kind of just really big themes it 's themes that we see coming out of um, Colossians as well uh, First one, the life we long for is truly found in Jesus and his kingdom realities and uh, I was thinking about this, how we, in life, we so often, uh, we, we long for something and yet we so often satisfy ourselves with something that isn't, can't truly satisfy. I was just thinking just with, um, I was thinking about uh, our, our, our kids when they come home and I Anyone who's got kids or had kids, you know that they're hungry, like really, really hungry when they come home, and they come into the place and they just want to—they just want to fix that hunger um, really fast, and and they're they're reaching for anything. We we say that the fruit bowl in our house is open. Um, They're great. They're great at um, at fruit. They they demolish fruit. Actually, costs us a fortune now to keep keep fruit up to them, Uh, but. Even fruit, um, we, we often look for snacks first when we're hungry but what we really should be looking for is, is a decent meal. Hunger lets us know that we're hungry and uh, instead of doing snacks that just satisfy us for a little while, we actually need a decent meal that truly satisfies. I just think that can be applied to, to life so often. We, we feel this hunger and we look to things that can't truly um, can 't truly satisfy us, and um, Jesus and we see from Colossians that Jesus is saying uh, Paul is saying about Jesus he can truly satisfy he will he will satisfy your greatest needs next one is is uh, no part of human existence remains untouched by the loving and liberating rule of jesus it's, paul is is telling the uh, those people at um, the in Colossians, uh, that there is, that Jesus, he, he wants to have a part of all of your life. I, was, I told you about my Bible the other day, how it got, um, got wet in the back of my car. Uh, my, my car has actually stunk for about two years now. Uh, it was a sad story. I got my, my um, I went and got some shopping one day and I had a three litre thing of milk And I must have put on the brakes at some stage because it went under the seat and got lodged under there and I didn't know it was there. I brought everything in and Julia must have just thought, oh, he's forgotten the milk again. Um, But it was actually lodged underneath the seat there and it exploded. Um, One summer, it was all kind of, it had fermented there for a long time and then it went boom. Um, Now, trying to get that smell out of your car is, is quite difficult and I thought I'd like everything, I tried everything, put um, baking powder all over it, all those things from Super Cheap, uh, trying to get the smell out and, and Matt comes down to coffee with me and he's like, mate, your car really stinks. Um, and I've, I've tried so hard to get this smell out, I've tried absolutely everything but every time it rains, it, there's like spores in there and they just kind of go for it again, they, they keep finding stuff to eat. I, I would have thought they would have come to the end of it yet um, by now but um, especially when it rains now it really really stinks the other day <clears throat> I just couldn't work this out I would I would literally i try so hard to get this this moisture and this stink out of my car and uh, I would run the air conditioning for ages trying to get it out the other day it was about a couple of months ago, I opened up the the boot and I was giving the car a really, really good clean out. And I I did such a good clean out that I even wanted to go into the uh, wheel well. And this is what I found. That's what I found. Okay, So that's water that had come in and was sitting there. So every time Uh, The car sat in the sun, it wasn't drying out, it was just heating up this little um, reservoir of water and it was releasing all the water into the car which then went to the off milk and yes. So I've dealt with that and my car is now smelling better. I've put coffee beans, a kilo of coffee beans in the back and uh, everything doesn't stink anymore but it stinks like coffee. Like, literally, I'll hop out of the car now and and Julia, she'll smell coffee all over, like, everything, everything, my bag now smells like coffee, everything smells like coffee. That long story, to say, Jesus, the way he wants to work in our lives, he wants to work like that coffee in the back of my boot, hopefully not the spilt milk, um, but the coffee in the back of our boot, he wants to impermeate all of our lives, doesn't want to leave anything untouched. All our possessions, everything we have, he, he wants to have control and ownership and, and, uh, and, and the reason why he wants to do that is because he wants our best. And when Jesus is king, um, we, we excel, we, we flourish. Last point is um, we live in, uh, in, in the present as the kind of humans that we will one day become. God is, God is a wonderful reality for us and ahead uh, and, and He wants us to live in the presence as if that reality is, um, it has come to its full consummation. It's a bit like, I was thinking, uh, what's, the, what's the illustration of this? And, and maybe it doesn't quite work, but maybe it's when you get engaged. Uh, when, you, when you get engaged, there, there's still a reality, a, a, a reality that's still to come but, but you're living already when you're engaged into that uh, reality that's about to come. You start thinking about the other person. You don't think um, solely as, as one. You start, um, there's, there's a number of things that start to change in your life when you say, uh, I, I'm going to be yours and, and forever forever. And although the, the wedding day is still to come and there is a sense in which um, there's, there's something still to come for us as well and yet we live into that, that reality of that relationship in which we've come in, uh, into with Jesus. So there are three things that will keep popping up right throughout this series as we, as we pull um, this, um, as, we, as we look at this message that Paul has for the Colossians and uh, I, I, uh, I'm really looking forward to it because the message, one of the messages of Jesus is, yes, there is more. There, this, this longing in our hearts for more, he says, yes, I have an answer to that. Well, uh, let's, let's do a bit of a, a look over Colossians about what this book is all about. So we can go to that next slide there. It's a, a map. Um, Colossians was written by Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, he was actually in jail when he wrote this letter and uh, the, the Apostle Paul, he didn't actually know these um, these Christians in um, in Colossae there, he, he had only heard about them. Either someone who had planted the churches or someone that was in the leadership had come to him and had told him about the wonderful things that were happening in this city but also told him about some of the concerns that he had for these people. And uh, Paul, as an, as an apostle, he, his heart went out for this city. One of the things I, I really found interesting about this, this is a, just a, it's quite a little town, um, it was pretty insignificant, it's in modern-day Turkey now, and uh, it, it actually hasn't been excavated to any great degree, it's, it's just a field at the moment. And the, the reason it hasn't been excavated is because it really was a nothing town. It just, nothing really happened there. It was kind of small and out of the way. I, I love the way that the Apostle Paul, like he, he wrote a huge chunk of our Bible. Uh, he takes the time to send a, an intricate uh, letter to this small group of believers meeting in this nowhere town. Um, I just think that's a great example uh, of, of both God's heart that's expressed through Paul. So, Paul's writing to this, this town. Um, you can see Ephesus is, We well, might not be able to see that, Ephesus is, is just to the, to the left of it on the screen there. And Paul is writing to them, he's writing with, um, with Timothy and we'll have a look at that soon. But let's let's just go a bit of a a bit of a bird's eye view across it. So, <clears throat> first of all, in chapter one, he encourages them. He's heard these good things about them, and he and he, he lets them know about how impressed, how how uh, how glad he is about their faithfulness and everything um, that they have been doing. He then starts into this um, this amazing poem. And uh, this may have been a poem that had been formulated for, for some amount of time. It's, it's quite an intricate, it's, uh, it's an amazing poem. And Paul here, he's pulling from Genesis and he's pulling from um, Exodus and the Psalms and Proverbs as well. And he's bringing this all together. As you look at this, this kind of poem that's written, um, it's, it's just hyperlinked uh, across the Bible. There's, he's pulling in all these themes uh, to, and applying them to, to Jesus and he's looking at the supremacy of Jesus there. Wonderful, wonderful um, little passage and we'll be getting into that. He then goes into, uh, we then move into chapter, um, before chapter 2 actually, he talks about him being in prison. Now this is a little bit of a problem because uh, in, in, in the ancient world especially, but even today, when someone has hardship come upon them and prison would be a hardship, and especially when it's unjust or, or something happens to you out of the ordinary, you start asking questions, what, why did that happen? And we do that today. Uh, our, we, we still live in a, quite a monotheistic type world and culture, so if someone's going to blame God, we, we, we seem to blame one God, wh- whoever that is for people. But in that world, you're asking pretty much um, which God, because they, they uh, worshipped a, a number of different gods and which God has, has, um, has cursed Paul, which God is against Paul. And Paul is, Paul's really turning it all upside down for them. He's kind of saying, it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, have a look at Christ. He, uh, he, he, he went to the cross and, and um, he, he flips that all upside down. He said, the cross was actually part of God's plan. And, and suffering can actually be part God God uses suffering to, for, to, to fulfill his, his works and his, what He wants to do in this world. Uh, he, he flips everything upside upside down. We have to do this with many, many cultures around the world that still have this, this very clear um, understanding that if things are going well for you, the gods are happy with you, if things are going bad for you, um, God is happy. God is... I'm mixed up, but um, you can work that one out, not hard. Um, And and what we keep seeing in the the Christian message is that God is always for you and God is always with you. If If you're a follower of Him, no matter what life circumstances are like, God is always with you, He's always beside you and He is always for you. And he promises to work those situations out for your good and for the good of the kingdom as well. So we go through chapter 2 and he's, there's, there's two problems really that the messengers that came to Paul, there, there's two problems that are kind of um, drawing them away from Jesus. The first problem is this mystical polytheism. So they're in a, a world with, with many, many different gods. Uh, the, the, the actual city would have had... Uh, temples and uh, places where those gods actually lived. In their mindset, they were basically living with the gods. There was a real physical tangibleness about that as well. And what was happening was here Jesus comes into the picture and, and he says to his followers, no other gods but me. You follow me exclusively. And, and that, was, that was really confronting for the time because at the time it's okay, it's okay if you follow uh, many different gods and you just bring Jesus as another one of those gods, but <clears throat> if you just follow Jesus, we've, we've got big problems. And, and it wasn't just a spiritual thing for them, it was a life thing for them. See, this particular city, this, it's thought that this letter went to them in about 62 A.D., In 60 AD, there was an enormous earthquake that came through and and really made a mess of this city and there's a couple of cities that are close to it as well. And so it was reeling, it was a a fairly poor city and um, so even two years after, it would have been kind of rebuilding and it would have been really difficult um, economically. And what people are doing when an earthquake happens or something that's out of the ordinary, they're looking around and they're going who in our society isn't worshipping the gods? Who who is it around here? And they look at the Christians and go, you guys. That's why in the the ancient world, Christians were blamed for so many things um, because they said, Jesus and Jesus alone. We're going to look at that later on in the series because there's some real applications to us in our present day. And um, it's it's the exclusive way of Jesus in the way we live our life that often rubs with our culture as well and uh, what what happens there is our, our culture it's it's difficult for them to understand it's like why why aren't you doing this why aren't you worshiping the other gods or or why aren't you why aren't you giving this a tick why aren't you flowing with the way our culture works and there's, there's, there's pushback, there's persecution that comes against that as we, as we hold to what God has said. Also, um, on that end we've got the, the polytheism um, and then on the other end, the other pressure that these people are having, uh, some of the, the Jewish believers are coming in and they're adding stuff. They're saying, you've got to have a kosher diet and circumcision needs to be part of what you do and, um, and also, what else did they say? They said about the, um, the special dates, the calendar dates. You've got to uh, follow them as well. It's a bit like the book to Galatians where uh, Paul is correcting some stuff there as well. And he's, he's saying, to, he, Paul's really concerned about this. He, he doesn't want there, he's, he's looking at the spread of the Gospel through the known and the unknown world and he doesn't want there to be anything that that is going to hamper that's unnecessary for the spread of the gospel and there's some some applications there that we'll look at as well and uh, we do that in even our present culture as we look at at tradition and um, the way things are done and and it can actually become an obstacle to people coming to faith as well we're going to have a look at that um, later during the series we then get to chapter 3 and, uh, and chapter 4 and we're looking at application and Paul looks at some real specific things in this, um, in this culture as how the supremacy of Christ applies um, to life and, and hopefully we'll do that all throughout our series as well. Look at how the supremacy of Christ, the, um, that good smell of Christ impermeates all our life. So let's... Let's, if you've got your Bibles there, open up to Colossians. We're going to zoom in a bit here. Colossians chapter one says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus." What, what are we talking about when we say apostle? Um, this is a, someone who's been sent with a me, with a with a mission. And uh, the the specific claim that Paul's making here is that he was sent with a mission by Jesus himself. And that was affirmed by the, by the church as well and, uh, and through, through church history. One of, the, one of the reasons he's doing this is he's kind of tr- stamping his authority here, that, that he actually has a right and a, a responsibility to speak in to what's happening here. He says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, <clears throat> by the will of God. So, so, what he's saying here is, basically, when they receive this letter from someone, Paul doesn't know them. Paul, Paul doesn't know us either. But what he's saying to, to those, um, to the Colossians, he's saying, uh, I want you to receive this, not, as, not just as good counsel, not just as, as some, some words of wisdom, but I want you to receive this as God breathed. I want you to receive this as God as, breathed. Um, as the authority from the authority of someone who has, who has been sent by Christ to both uh, plant and to then speak and nurture the church as well. And when we, when we read Colossians, we're not just reading it as wisdom, we're not just reading it as good advice, we're, we're, we're reading it as God breathed. We're reading it and, and we're saying, God, would you, would you breathe in this even today as we, as we listen to your word? So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So, Timothy, he was like a, um, a basically apprenticed Paul and Paul was training Timothy and uh, it, it, would, it would make sense in ancient letter writing time, it, we get these pictures of like Paul sitting down with a little, uh, with some type of quiver type thing and uh, at, at a desk, uh, it wouldn't have looked like that, it wouldn't have looked anything like that. In fact, in the end of Colossians, we actually see Paul signing off, and he says, "I'm signing off in my own handwriting." So Paul wasn't writing this. Well, he was his his mind and his um, these are these are his his words, but they were being penned by a scribe, and and it would have been a collective effort. There, uh, ancient letters were often written. Timothy was most likely there as well. He was most likely inputting and they were threshing through ideas. This was a, a discipleship moment as well. Often the person who actually would deliver the letter would have been involved in the, the construction of the letter as well. That's why l- those who delivered letters were, were, were so important and uh, not only were they so important, they, they actually intricately knew. So when people asked questions, they were involved in that process of of, um, of de- developing um, this letter. So, we have Scripture being, um, being breathed by God, inspired by God, and also human um, authors as well. But it's not just one human author, it's collective, and, and God and the Holy Spirit is working in that process. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people... Um, sometimes it says to God's saints in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters of, in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. It's, a, uh, it's quite a packed little greeting there and uh, it, everything feels very um, purposeful there. We're going to just look at a, a couple of these things because it, it talks about our identity First of all, we've got um, God's holy people, or I think it says up there, what does it say? Um, sorry, back to the verse, it says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, I think that's the New American Standard um, version, but what we have here is he's talking about those who follow Christ in Colossae and he's, he's talking about... Uh, about he's, he's kind of describing them and he's saying you're both saints it's a it's an adjective you're saints and you're faithful so so the idea of saints he's, he's saying you you're a set-apart people a set-apart people for a purpose where they're to, they're to image god in their city they're to um they're to be about the mission of god be about the purposes of god they're, they're to be his representative they're a set-apart people for a task and there's a way in which that applies to us as well in, in, in this Wynnum, um, Southeast area, that we are a set-apart people for a purpose, that anyone who has come to follow Christ, we're then, we're then sent on a mission, uh, we're, we're set apart to bring blessing. So, so, he says, saints, and he also says, faithful. So, we've talked a number of times about faith, about faith not being just a mental assertion, if you remember that, but faith is actually an action. <clears throat> it's, it's faith in action. So, uh, I, talk, I would talk about a seat, and it's when you sit down in that seat that you're actually putting faith in that seat. You can say, I trust this seat all, all, all your life, but until you actually um, test it and you sit down in it, that's when your faith is actually expressed. And this is an encouragement to the believers here. He's saying, uh, not only are you set apart, but you have been faithful. That, that you, have, you have both tested Christ, you're trusting in Christ, and that is something that is enduring. And, and throughout the whole letter, he's saying, keep being faithful, keep, um, keep resting in me. So, part of who we are as believers is we're set apart for a very specific task. And, uh, and we are those who are faithful, who remain faithful to Christ. Next one here, in Christ. Um, it says that, uh, to God's holy people in Colossae, to the faithful brothers and sisters, in Christ. In, that, uh, that little, I can't remember what it's called an English, preposition, something, in. Um, it, when, you're, when you're in a chair you can't really get any closer to that chair, can you? It's, um, it's, it's as close as you can get. When you're in water, you, you're kind of enveloped by water, you're as close as you can get. This is the, this is the idea that there's, there's, a, there's a deep closeness and, uh, and it's, it's interesting. Here it says that brothers and sisters or, or those who follow Christ, we're, we're in Christ. So let me, let me get a little piece of paper here. So this is the image here. So in Christ. Okay, brothers and sisters, in Christ. Okay, here we go. This is um so this is this is Jesus, and and we're in him. So so we're really, really, really close to him, in him. But it doesn't stop there. In in 1 verse 27, it says that um, it says... To them God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of, the, of, of this mystery, which is Christ in you. So, not only is Christ, we are we in Christ, Christ is in us as well. This is, this is deep levels of in. And, uh, and then we go to Colossians 3.3 3, and, and it says this, it says, says here, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So, Christ's, Christ's in us, we're in Jesus and Jesus is in God. The, the depth of intimacy here, of, of connection of the believer with God is... He's pretty much he's he's nailed every type of in really. We are in in in. That's that's really good news. He has bound himself to us, in and outside us and over us and and uh, and that has huge implications because when things come against us, they've got to go get against a, go through quite a lot of things because we are in Christ. Then goes, brothers and sisters, this has the idea of, um, of family. We are, we, are the, we are the family of God. We talk about that quite often here. It says in Ephesians, So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are, fe- you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This language of household, this main language of family, it's used um, right throughout Scripture. It's actually, the, um, that household there is the word oikos, and um, so, so there's, there's something that happens very special when we are in Christ and Jesus is in us and we are in God because we are, as followers, believers in Christ, we are all in that. And there's something that happens to our, our very reality. It, it's, it's such that when you go to a different country and you meet a Christian, there's something... Do you know when, when um, John was in in the womb and Jesus was in Mary's womb and, and they kind of leapt um, when, they, when they met each other. There's, there's something that goes on when you meet another Christian. Um, there's something, the, the spirit kind of, I don't know how to quite describe it, the spirit leaps, there's a, there's a connection. And it's more than just we believe the same stuff, we follow the same God, there's something deep that's, that's transformative that's going on that unites us to one another. But there's a, there's a special... Family relationship that we have in in a local gathering, in a local um, in a local church as well, because we have we have responsibilities to one another, and um, we we go through life with one another through the through the ups, through the downs, and just like in a family, how you have a responsibility to one another, we have a responsibility to to one another in the household of God here as well. How do we do that in a church of this size. I know um, most of us are sitting here and I'm thinking, I don't even know some of the people here. That's, that's the reality. And uh, there, there is a reality in which we're, we can be family to one another on a, on a bigger scale, we can do things together, we can mobilise um, to, to help someone in need, but the everyday experience of family happens in smaller groups. It, it happens in 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 small groups when you come together. it happens in those natural friendship groups that that just form it happens in ministry groups and and that's just a very practical thing a family of 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 hundreds of people um, the the intimacy can't quite be as as deep as as what God would want us to ex, ex, um, experience so uh, there's a there's a necessity for us to uh, come into to smaller groups to express what it means to be the family of God. The last one, we'll, we'll end here. Um, he ends by saying, "Grace and peace to you, from God, our Father. Our Father. That's uh, where we're, we're his children, and our experiences of our own Father." tends to have an implication of how we see God as a father. And if we've had a bad experience, that that can make it quite difficult. But even if we have a good experience, it still doesn't come close to to who God is and His character and the way that He wants to be to us as father. So what what we have to do is we we almost have to lay that down, whether we have a great dad or a not-so-good dad, and we say, um, Jesus, and, 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 and would, would you show me what God as Father is really like? I just want to race through just a, a few of them. God's patience and kindness, wow, that is really small. God's patience and kindness, it never runs out. This is, uh, this is from the Psalms. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with them who fear Him. This is Psalm 106, verse 1. For He is good and His love endures forever. Every, every dad, patience, kindness runs out. Um, and this is a God that just keeps, he, He's just there. Again and again and again. He's there for us. God as Father, He is always approachable. We read that verse earlier. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace um, to help us in our time of need. God, God is always uh, wanting us to come to Him as Father. He's always approachable. Now, I get busy sometimes and I, uh, my kids know when they can't approach me. I kind of just give off this aura or something uh, and they just they just kind of know. Um, and And that can that can be good when you just got to get something done but, but it, can, it can leave within them this feeling of, of when is dad approachable, when is he not? Um, God never gives off that. He, he is always come, come confidently before my throne room. You, you can never, you never have to earn his love. God, God demonstrates his love to us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's from Romans. We don't have to earn his love we we never had to earn his love we couldn't earn his love and we don't have to earn his love now you'll never blow it enough to lose his love this is what it says in romans again neither death nor knife nor neither death nor life nor angels or demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height or death or anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord This is Paul, he's going through every imaginable uh, thing that he can think of to say, there is nothing that you can separate you from God. You will never blow it enough to lose his love. I love the way Jesus, so he's like a a gentle shepherd, shepherding his sheep in the way he tells that story of the prodigal son. And uh, that's a son that absolutely blows it. And and I I love the way that he's going back and he's thinking, God can't possibly accept me and and this father, which which gives us an illustration of what our father's character is like, he runs and he embraces him and he restores him. God gives wisdom generously. If anyone lacks wisdom, you shall ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. God has good gifts for us and He wants us to come and say, God, would you you give me what I need? And He gives them freely. God lets us make our own choices. Now, this is an interesting one. God isn't a God that just says, uh, this is the way you'll do it and uh, He gives gives guidelines. Uh, He he has... It's just like like my kids. Um, I want them to live well but... I want them to make their own choices in living well as well. Uh, I, I, I don't expect them to, to live as robots in, in relation to what I have told them exactly the path um, set. They, they're, they're free to make choices and, and that is good. It, it really, it makes you think about this verse. It says, um, He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is a, that's a wonderful verse because I know that I go off the path, I, I come out of alignment with God often and I've got, to, I've got to come back into alignment with him and his ways. And, and the wonderful thing is that God has a promise here is that he will use, um, when, when we're in alignment with him, he will use that. But when we go out of alignment, he, he doesn't cause that. That doesn't please Him. But when, when we turn back to Him, He will use those experiences for our good. That's extraordinary. That's, that's saying, God, when, when, we, when we submit our lives to Him, when we turn back to Him, He will, he will bring everything into alignment with Him and His ways. Um, and the last one here, God the Father knows us intimately. I want to invite um, Esther and Jeremy up says this is what david says in one of the psalms you have searched me lord and you know me you know when i see it and when i rise you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways and that is incredibly intimidating it's incredibly intimidating that god knows all our ways he knows all our secrets he knows all our life he knows when we've got the lights turned off he he knows everything that happens but when we see that in the, in the light of all those other things, it's incredibly, it's incredibly encouraging. It's incredibly comforting.